Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We're glad that you could join us today as we continue our journey through the book of Psalms. This week is lesson number eight, Wisdom for Righteous Living. And the book of Psalms gives us no shortage of wisdom on how to live a right life. We're going to begin our study today as we do each week with prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you again for being with us and guiding us through our study week by week of the book of Psalms. And we ask that again today you will do exactly the same. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're happy once again to have with us as our guest, the author of this quarter's Sabbath School lesson, Dr. Dragoslava Santrak. She has a PhD in Old Testament and absolutely loves the book of Psalms. And if you've been with us week by week, you can tell that. Slava, thank you for being with us again today. I'm delighted to be here as always. So we're looking at wisdom for righteous living this week. Now, last week we looked at God's mercy, His grace. If we've truly received God's grace and His mercy, it should somehow change our hearts. There should be some, some tangible, practical ways in which our lives change. How does that fit in with what we're looking at this week in wisdom for righteous living. How's that connection made? Yes, wisdom. This uh, week's lesson, Wisdom for Righteous Living, is a logical continuation of the story we've been trying to tell through the Psalms. Because the question comes, we learned about God's marvelous deeds, His salvation, His judgment, His mercy redeemed us and saved us, and now what? How do we continue living? See, once we are saved and receive God's mercy, we continue to live in this world. Unlike the person who died on the right side of the cross of Jesus, who received the salvation and then died, most of us, by God's grace, we continue to live. And sometimes people struggle with it. They understand receiving God's mercy, but then what? How do I live? And the Psalms, as you said, Eric, have many examples and, and provide wonderful instructions about how we should continue living in God's mercy. And above everything, the Psalms call us to obtain wisdom for righteous living which goes beyond mere observance of certain uh, moral or ethical standards. It is a wisdom, as wisdom is always something practical and something very deep. And I would like uh, to point us to Psalm 1, which is a wonderful wisdom psalm, which also shows us how to live. What is that righteous life we are called to pursue? It's a short psalm, but very deep. It says, Blessed is the man and woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Here we see this progression, walks, stands, sits. These are very general terms but they describe life in its various aspects. It describes walk, which means this is our uh, way of life. Then it describes standing in the path, which describes our interests, 
where our interest in life. So the wisdom for righteous living wants to penetrate our way of life and also our interest, our inner motivations. And then it says, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Sitting implies more than just interest, like standing. It implies commitment. And wisdom for righteous living wants to penetrate our commitments that we have in life. And then it provides the source of that wisdom. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And here we see again this wisdom in action, this righteousness in action. It delights in the law, but not just delight in a sense of emotional response. Oh, I'm excited. I love this. But then I go my way and forget. It does not just delight, but it also meditates, which means it ponders. It tries to adopt it and to, to become part of life. And then finally shall be like a tree planted by the river. Now, instead of sitting where we used to sit once we did not have the mercy of God, now we are planted or seated by the rivers of God's water, His word, His law, His righteousness. You, you know, you've touched in here on the law and yes. the Psalms speaks to a massive extent about the law. Yes. Uh, oh, how I love thy law, it is my meditation all the day. David spent a lot of time talking about the law. The longest Psalm, 119, yes. is about God's law. Very much mm -hmm. so. So it's, it's a powerful theme throughout the book of Psalms. But when you talk to some people today, even within Christianity, about God's law, sometimes there's a different perspective about it. How, what is the perspective that, that the psalmists give us about God's law, and how does that compare to or contrast with some of the perspectives on God's law today. Yes, I believe today many people uh, think of the law as a list of rules of things that must not be, could not be done, or the things that we must do. So it's mostly like to do and not to do, and something that we need to fulfill, almost like a checklist. Okay, I'm good, I didn't do this, didn't do that, then I'm fine. Where is delight in that? And uh, when, when people read, as we read Psalm 1, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, people wonder, how can one delight in a set of rules, in a code of requirements? Well, let's turn to Psalm 119. There, as I mentioned, is the longest uh, psalm or song, and uh, it's all about God's law. And from this psalm, we learn that the law of God is about the way of life. The psalmist will say, blessed, I'm reading verse 1, the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Keeping the law is walking in the law, meaning it's a way of life. It is something that you do 
not just from time to time, it is the way of living. And the psalmist uh, involves uh, 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 almost like a progression. In verse uh, um, 32, it's so interesting, he says, I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. So he not only walks in the path of God's law, but because his heart has been enlarged by God's mercy, he now runs. And running conveys this message of excitement, of, of gratefulness for being able to, to be on that course and path in life. And then we, we see that the psalmist not just runs, but then he says, I walk in liberty, which is verse 45, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. And here is another point where the psalmist, the biblical view of the law, differs from most modern understanding of the law. Most people think that the law is there to uh, restrict us, to somehow limit our liberties by thou shall not do this, shall not do that. But the psalmist understood that God's law gives liberty, liberty from sin which imprisons, liberty from the consequences of sin that people suffer from. So, Keeping the law is the way of life that gives liberty, that gives delight, that brings us closer to God. So it's a, it's a natural experience when someone yes. loves the Lord and, and yes. recognizes the judgment that they could yes. be under, but the mercy that God extends to them. Then when they see God's will, it becomes a natural expression of who they are to walk in that will, or as you just mentioned, to run in that will. And it brings liberty, not, uh, not condemnation, not restraint, not, uh, not kind of a holding back, but a, a freedom in one's life. Yes, yes. And it also uh, uh, brings us a better understanding of God's character and what God uh, loves, the justice, the freedom, the, the grace that, his that He loves, all of that is contained in His law. And we will see that the psalmist in the same Psalm 119, he says that he not just keeps the law in verse 8, he also rejoices in it in verse 14. He delights in it, he clings to it, and observes it with his whole heart. He even finds learning and light and liberty and comfort, all these wonderful things, all of that he finds in the law. And some people may actually wonder, is the psalmist almost deifying the law? Not at all, but the psalmist understood that the law is the reflection of God's character. And that's why he finds light and mercy and joy in it, because through the law he gets to know God better. Slava, I want to read you something from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. It says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So with that in mind, what conclusion do the Psalms reach? Yes, you see, well, the Psalmists are aware that yes, the law of God is there and I cherish it and I love it, 
but they also are aware of the shortness of life. So there is this humility that always keep them on track. And I love the memory text for this week, which says, it's from Psalm 90. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So one aspect of wisdom for righteous living is cherishing the law of God getting to know God through His law, appreciating God's holiness and wishing to live a life that is described and given in His laws and precepts. On the other hand, it's also the awareness of the shortness of life. When the psalmist says, teach us to number our days, you know when you can number something, it means that there is an end to it. And we always need to live with this perspective of our end. And there is wisdom in it. Yes. So there's a, a recognition of yes. that fact, but, but resting in the fact that God yes. wants, wants us to come through on the right yes. side of things. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and if we have that right relationship with Him, then a right relationship with the law should be a part of that as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're going to come back and dig into this a little bit more. If you're interested in this subject, the subject of the Psalms and digging into it and how God desires us to live our lives in light of what we're learning, make sure that you pick up the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath School lesson. You'll find it at itiswritten.shop. Again, itiswritten.shop. It's, of course, on the book of Psalms. Grab that book, pick it up, share it with others, read it digest it, and put into practice what you find there, you're going to find that your life is blessed as a result. We're going to come back in just a moment as we continue taking a look at Wisdom for Righteous Living. We'll be right back. It's the longest chapter in all of the Bible. Psalm 119, 176 verses long. With all but just a very few of those verses, speaking about the Word of God. Don't miss great chapters of the Bible, Psalm 119, and journey through this beautiful Psalm. The law of God, the statutes of God, the commandments of God, the Word of God focused on by David, the writer of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 gives us deep insights into not only the Word of God, but the faithfulness, the love, and the heart of a mighty God. Don't miss great chapters of the Bible, Psalm 119, and grow your appreciation for the Word of God. Psalm 119, brought to you by It Is Written TV. Thank you for remembering that It Is Written exists because of the kindness of people just like you. To support this international life-changing ministry, please call us now at 800-253-3000. You can send your tax-deductible gift to the address on your screen, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Thank you for your prayers and for your financial support. Our number again is 800-253-3000, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're taking a look here at God's wisdom for righteous living. Slava, let me ask you this. There are some people who feel a little uncomfortable with the idea of God testing them. Psalms talks a little bit about testing. 
Uh, does God really test us? And if so, what does that test look like? What is it and what isn't it? What are these testing things? Yes. Well, the Psalms do speak about God testing people. And you are right. We, we feel uncomfortable with the idea of testing. Let's just remember our school days and how much we enjoyed the quizzes and tests, but they are necessary in order for us to progress and uh, mature in our faith and understanding. But you are correct. It is important to understand what God's testing is and what it is not, so we do not get a wrong idea. Um, there are a few texts we can uh, read to help us in understanding this issue better. Uh, for example, Psalm 105, verse 19. Here it speaks about Joseph, who was in prison. The verse says, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Here we see that the Lord tested Joseph. What was there to, to be tested? Well, the Lord gave him wonderful revelations about his future. He gave him great promises. And I'm sure Joseph was delighted and felt honored and really loved by God. But then somehow life took him down some difficult and challenging paths as much as to end up in prison for something he was completely innocent for. And here the text says that the word of the Lord tested him. Did God test Joseph in order to discourage him and test him? When we read the book of Genesis, we see that the Lord was with Joseph. It's highlighted, it's in there. Therefore, the, the, the purpose of God's testing is not to fail Joseph, but quite the contrary, to strengthen him to remove every possible remaining doubts or misconceptions. That's why God allowed these things to test Joseph, but to make him stronger and victorious. Maybe then Psalm uh, 81, and uh, let's see Psalm 81 verse 7, also speaks about, about God's test. 81 verse 7, where God said, you called in trouble, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah." Now, this recalls an incident uh, in the Old Testament when the Israelites were on their way to the Promised Land, 40 years in the wilderness, and God says, you called in the trouble, and I always delivered you. And then there was one time when God delayed just a little bit His deliverance to test His people's faith. Again, not to fail them, but to strengthen them. Unfortunately, in that case that they failed, but in His mercy, God gave them a lesson and they moved on. You see, this testing is very important. I love the Hebrew word for hope. It comes from the root kava, which means to stretch. You see, in order to hope, we need to stretch. Likewise, in order to grow, God tests us just to stretch us a bit. So God's testing is always a good thing. He does that to, to strengthen us. Now, there is another type of testing, Eric, 
which is a bad testing. And unfortunately, this is something that we people do to God. And in Psalm 95, we read about that bad type of, of, of testing. It says in verse 8 and 9 of Psalm 95, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. It's interesting, it is the same event as Psalm 81, the incident at Meribah in the wilderness, when they needed and asked for water, and God delayed just for a little bit. God says, there you tested me, you tried me, though you saw my works. You see, when people test God, it is usually to diminish Him in their own eyes and in the eyes of other people, is to ascribe to God things that He does not deserve, things that He uh, does not do that are contrary to His will. And this type of testing God never does to people. So there is a big difference and a wonderful lesson for us in here. So God's type of testing is helpful to us. It yes. helps us to grow, yes. it stretches us, it in yes. increases and improves our faith and our, our trust of Him. Now, from time to time, okay, well, with great regularity, mm -hmm. we face temptations. And we might, we might consider these unfortunate. Um, I don't think we want temptations, but they're a part of life. Temptations come. Where do temptations come from? How do we how do we respond to these temptations? What's at the core of these temptations? And when we face temptations, how can the book of Psalms help us through to, to find the right way out of the temptations? Yes. Well, uh, at the beginning, let's just stress that temptation itself is not sin. Sometimes people uh, misunderstand that and say and think, well, now that I've been tempted or I've been thinking, let me just do it any way I felt. No, temptation in itself is not sin. However, it does appeal to some remnants of weakness and sin in our nature. But as long as we don't yield to the temptation, we are, we are saved. And that's the time when we are tempted it is the time to turn to God and ask for His strength and protection. But the core of temptation is in the heart. Sometimes we blame uh, 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 other people, or we blame the life circumstances, or we blame these new modern times with all these temptations. And yes, they do play a significant part in it. But if we in our heart place ourselves in circumstances to be tempted even more, then we should understand that the responsibility is definitely coming from us. And Psalm 141 is a wonderful psalm to uh, help us uh, understand the temptation, how it works. Here it says in verse 3 and 4, and I will read verse 4 first. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing. So you see, it is the inclination of the heart. But then the next step is to practice wicked works. With the men who work iniquity and do not let me eat 
of their delicacies. So there is this progression from the inclination that exists in our heart. That's when we are tempted. But then falling into temptation means practicing the wicked works. And what's really sad and, and, and terrible about practicing, because people sometimes think, ah, God will forget, I'll, I'll just do it once. I just need to satisfy myself, I'll do it once and never again. Well, it never works that way because a sin practiced leads to the third line. Do not let me eat of their, what? Delicacies. A practiced temptation, a practiced sin leads to liking the sin. And then we are in big trouble. But the solution is in verse 3. It is a prayer. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. It is God in His mercy who can protect us and deliver us. But we need to submit our will to God. You know, when you speak of, of submitting your will to God and yes. Him delivering us from yes. the temptation, from the sin, even though the temptation has, has been there, how are, how are wisdom, knowing what's right and, and what's wrong, how are wisdom and happiness related in the Psalms? We've seen how, how, how God can deliver us from temptations if we want to. Yes. But I have a feeling that knowing what's going on, the bigger picture and what's going on beneath the surface, as it were, could play a big role in, in helping us find the happiness that we're looking for more than the fleeting happiness that these yes. delicacies provide. Absolutely. And in, in today's times, it looks like that people are searching more for happiness than for wisdom. Everyone wants to be happy, have fun, happiness. And as you said, and many times this is just a fleeting happiness. Why? Because it is devoid of true content that can make it a lasting uh, uh, happiness, a truly beneficial uh, uh, happiness. And in the Psalms, happiness is always related or connected to wisdom. And it's interesting, even in a Hebrew vocabulary, the word for happiness is almost sounds almost the same. It has a similar uh, root uh, uh, as the word steps, steps to wisdom, walking in the law of God. Walking these steps brings happiness. There is no true happiness without the wisdom for righteous living. So that wisdom helps us to find the steps to head in the right direction yes. that brings us true happiness. So if somebody's watching and wants happiness, give them some encouragement, help them find that right path. What would you tell them? Yes. Well, if you are wondering, how can I keep the law of God? The law of God is difficult. I'm weak. I don't know how to walk in this path of righteousness. Here is a prayer and encouragement for you and all of us. In Psalm 119, let us pray this prayer and God will lift us up. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. We are not left alone. We are not left alone to seek and find wisdom and to keep God's law. God invites us 
to come to his classroom and be taught by his Holy Spirit, and he will give us this delight in his path of righteousness. Slava, thank you for helping us to understand a little bit more about how we can find wisdom for righteous living in the book of Psalms. And thank you for joining us again this week. We've been looking at the importance of the law and the right interaction that we can have with it so that we don't end up misunderstanding this. We look forward to having you join us again next week as we continue our journey through the book of Psalms. This has been Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written.